show coming up on December 30th we want to tell you about. 2019 has been a breakthrough year for the wide-ranging indie jam community. Three of the most exciting acts in a larger genre, Riley Walker, Chris Forsyth, and Garcia Peoples, have each released standout records and performed excellent month-long residencies throughout New York City. Now all three are teaming up for a highly anticipated fish after show on December 30th at Le Poisson Rouge. Electric in the Village, presented by Osiris Media. Just a 10-minute ride down the A-line from MSG. The show is sure to go deep into the night and blur the lines between the collective groups. If I say three dates from 2019, many of you will know exactly what I'm talking about. March 5th, March 29th, and October 3rd. Those were three of the best shows that each of these artists have played, all of which are featured on Relisten archive.org and nyctaper.com March 5th, unbelievable Riley Walker, Steve Gunn, Ryan Jewell acoustic jam show March 29th, Garcia People's Natural Facts uh, record release show with Chris Forsyth playing a 32 minute techno top and October 3rd, the first night of the Garcia People's residency at New Blue unbelievable show came out uh, when Dave and I were in Nashville We have followed these artists throughout the year, and we cannot wait for them to celebrate one of the best nights for fish uh, at Le Poisson Rouge. Absolutely. Tickets are on sale now at LPR.com. $15 in advance, $20 day of the show. $1 of each ticket purchase will be donated to the Waterwheel Foundation, supporting local needs in Vermont. As you all know, December 30th is a standout show for fish. So keep the jams going at Le Poisson Rouge for Electric in the Village, presented by Osiris Media with Riley Walker, Chris Forsyth, and Garcia Peoples. Your 2020 self will thank you from the future. Episode 86 of the Beyond the Pond podcast. This is the podcast in which, generally speaking, Brian and myself utilize the music of Fish as a means of getting the listener to listen to other bands. These are usually not jam bands, because we love Fish. 
We are hardcore fish fans, especially when holiday runs about to start up. But sometimes fish fans have a tendency to get a little bit myopic. Sometimes they focus too much on their own favorite band to the exclusion of other bands. We want to help those guys out. But really, this is a big pond. Anybody who wants to learn about new music, you are welcome. Absolutely. And we are here in episode 86, recording one of our favorite, if not my favorite, episode of the year. I feel like I say that a lot of times around this time of the year, but I certainly love the tradition here of our holiday run episode where we have drinks in tow. We are hanging out, talking about Christmas music. We are hanging out, talking about some of our favorite fish shows of the year, some overlooked albums of the year, and one of our favorite holiday run holiday run shows of uh, fish history. What a fun episode. Get all cozy, dim the lights, turn on some Christmas lights, maybe have a snickerdoodle, have some mulled wine, and join us as we dive deep into Holiday Run Special number three. Mulled wine is one of those things that sounds awesome on paper, but I don't know if anyone's actually enjoyed mulled wine. I do. Really? I love it. Susie makes it every year. Maybe I'm drinking the wrong mulled wine. Come on out to Denver, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, some of the themes that you can expect to hear in this episode include The Night Before the Night, a holiday run edition, Christmas classics, and 2019, Under the Radar. And on that note, let's get to some fish. Quite excited to be hanging here in episode 86, talking about, if not one of the best, then at the very least, and I would say it is one of the best, but at the very least, one of the most important fish shows ever played. So 1992 and 1993 were leaps forward for fish. The spring 92 tour features the first great month in fish history, April 1992. The summer is spent touring with Santana, and the fall is a fusion of their classic sound with what's to come in 1993. That spring saw the band build upon their chipping away at their sound approach from 1992 with deeper improv in songs like Weekapog Groove and Stash, while also expanding the concept of a set with shows like The Roxy. In August, the band played their first great tour a performance that pushed them forward as a unit and deconstructed the concept of what a song could do or be. The band then took the fall off to record Hoist. When they returned at the end of the year, it was for four shows throughout the Northeast that would celebrate all they'd accomplished during their first 10 years as a band and to project them forward into the future. All of which leads us to the show that we are discussing here in this episode, one of my favorite shows of all time, probably one of many of your favorite shows of all time, December 30th, 1993. So Bowie opens the show only the eighth time that's ever happened to this point. Dream On and Dave Ener Dave's Energy Guide teases were found throughout. 
Later in, this, in set one, there was a very cool Forbins in a Mockingbird with a play on the hockey rink below the crowd. There were also of note insane weather conditions from New Haven to Portland, which probably contributed to the desire for narration. And pre-show, Trey made sure to ask the crowd, everybody in? Talking about set two, you get a 2001 to kick things off, which is kind of more or less the like theme songs from summer of 1993 before it moves into Mike's song. And we're thinking probably the best Mike song played to this point matches the Murat Jin, the most accomplished jam of 1993, and certainly one of the most important jams as the band would transition into 1994. Really cool segue into the horse. That's about two years ahead of its time. And you know how sometimes we say on this podcast that some jams play themselves? This is one that definitely plays itself. And this is an instance in where the music's playing the band. It's effortless. It doesn't really sound like a jam from 1993. I hear it, and I keep thinking December 1995, in particular the Mike Strait and the Weekend mm. Pod Groove from December 1st, 1995. <laughs> it's almost like the dry run for that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, they sound two years ahead of their time, and the cool thing, there's a simple jam in here. Like four months before Simple would ever debut, there's a Simple Jam that comes out of the mic. It's the mics. It's so wild. It's just like you hear this creativity from them that's so tight, but so slightly absurdist, but also very melodic. It's a far cry from what the band is going to do a year later in 1994, very much in line with kind of the November, December 95 sound. Then you got a punch you in the eye, a McGrupp. Give you some very nice rarities before Weekapog shines in its final performance of an outstanding year for it. Then there's a, some Fishman enjoyableness of Purple Rain. And then the first East Coast version of Save to the Traffic Light since November 15th of 1990. I think if you have an audience tape prior to that, you can hear the crowd calling the band for it. I guess there was supposedly a small discussion on stage. Huge reward for the fans who were probably... Uh, yeah, extremely cold and didn't want to drive the Worcester <laughs> because I guess allegedly this was a, a blizzard. I can't remember what the weather was like in 1993. I don't know what I was doing. I wasn't at the show, but I'm just told it was very classic New England blizzardy freezing conditions. Yeah, it's everything I've ever read about it. It's one of the wild factors of, for it. Uh, of it for me is this idea of all these fans driving through a blizzard up to Portland, Maine, knowing that they're going to have to then turn around and drive south to Worcester. And they get rewarded in this huge way from the band um, in a venue that every time the band seems to play Portland, aside from a few uh, standout uh, or a few specific instances, has been fantastic. Um, and that idea of the, a slave to the traffic light for the first time in over two years or over three years, is just mind-blowing to me. The fact that it's one of those classic songs that just was not played. Isn't the last time the band played Cumberland County Civic Center they played Tide Turns in the second set? They did, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you were talking um, about. <laughs> um, so, as you guys can tell, we both have a lot of affection for this show. This was definitely a tape I was seeking out when I was getting into Fish. I think, Dave, you had said before we went to record, this was one of your first tapes. I think it was my temp tape. It was... Very cool. What's interesting is I got um, I got set one a few weeks before set two, 
and each was okay. from a different rig. So set one was more like very crisp, odd. I think the second set was almost like a pure soundboard. So despite being from the same show, I kind of had a different feel for each of the sets just because they differed for me like audio-wise so differently. Interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting way to hear that. I don't know if I have any tapes like that, but that's wild. I'm guessing there was a lot like that uh, getting into fish in the mid-'90s. Oh, yeah, sure. So as we noted, uh, this show comes on December 30th, the night before New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve 1993 was no slouch, a show we'll probably cover in a future uh, holiday run special. Maybe if we get to, I don't know, holiday run 13, who knows. Um, But we wanted to go through, I want to make a bold statement here. We want to go through what I would say December 30th being the greatest date in fish history. What say you? I'm inclined to agree. December 30th shows, there's some exceptions that we'll get to, but in many instances, they end up being stronger than the New Year's Eve show. And when they're good, they're just so goddamn good. Yeah, there's something cosmic about these shows. Like, the band locks into something. When they lock into a jam or a set or a full show, it's unlike anything else. I absolutely love hearing a big 1230 show something that we're going to get to later in this list is um just we've heard some great ones of late so anybody who's been getting into fish over the last couple of years has been treated to the lore of 1230 but dave you want to tell us uh the first couple 1230 shows we've got on tap okay so the first one 1230 1989 from the wetlands this is when you had the first ever fluffs travels and the first Auld Lang sign into Mike's Groove. Is it the only Auld Lang sign into Mike's Groove? I want to say yes. And the fact that they're doing Auld yeah, Lang sign on 1230 be. means that they probably didn't play a 1231 show. I can't confirm. But um, at the very least, they, uh, they're they playing Auld Lang Zine a night early, which is telling of the, of the time. So up next, we got 1992. Uh, you get the first timber inside a Bowie sandwich. Uh, it's the first timber since 11 28 1990, 257 shows. Got a You Enjoy Myself with an Auld Lang Syne jam. Uh, Jamie Janover played the dulcimer between sets of note. Set one has Melt, Reba, Fluffhead, and Bowie. And I'll tell you, as someone who has listened to all of spring 1992, even for 1992 standards, that is insane. Set two has a ton of rarities and some really fantastic energy. Uh, 1993, of course, the show in question. Once again, one of the best in fish history. 1994, this was the first time they ever played at Madison Square Garden. Of course, you have the Wilson opener, which is featured on a live one. Massive second set tweezer, not quite on par with the David Bowie from the previous night in Providence, but still a big old tweezer at Madison Square Garden, which is quite sick. You enjoy myself in Hood Follow. If we could, um... Just have a quick sidebar. What would you say exactly is the Garden Tweezer? Because I think they've probably played it there at least 20 times. None of them are bad, but if I had to pick one to rule them all, I probably would say December 29th of 2018, just because I love that China Rider Jan Tweezer so goddamn much. I want to spread it on my toast in the morning. (laughs) Um, I recall Chris Glushko uh, saying 
one two sixteen was the MSG tweezer, maybe at, at the, the time. time. Right. I think it's been surpassed. I, I think I would. The only other option I would go with uh, would be twelve twenty eight two thousand twelve, which is a very Dick's twenty twelve esque jam inside of tweezer that's really blissful and peaky oh, and yeah. fantastic. That's the right second set opener, big C major, peaks upon peaks upon peaks. Right. Yeah. But but I agree with you. I think I think it's, it's definitely gotta be something three point The so a lot of the one MSG tweezers were not uh, they didn't live up to the hype. Yeah. Yeah, but definitely one of right, um twelve twenty eight twelve, one two sixteen or twelve twenty nine eighteen. Yeah, I agree with all those. That's the big three. Okay. Yes. Uh, jumping into 95, this is their second MSG show. One of the best hoods ever. Set ones packed with great songs, including High Energy Bowie, It's Ice in a Kung into It's Ice, and a gorgeous disguise, Divided Sky. Um, it's a great show, and yet it's probably the weakest show for the New Year's Eve run, which that just says something. Right. I can't get enough of um, the second set. Right after Yamar, they go into free, and the soundboard, you hear Trey go, one, two, three. <laughs> and that was when, in 95, they played free faster than they play it now. It still had, like, the shoegazes jam in the middle, and it made all the sense in the world yes. for them to feature that song, second song, the second set, because it was so freaking huge in 95. So. I think that we covered that in the first Holiday Run special back in 2017. Oh, really? Okay. I think so. 1996, Boston from uh, what was then the Fleet Center. Probably the weakest December 30th, aside from uh, December 30th, 2011. Has a pretty good tweezer. Uh, I was there. I was 17 years old, and I was having a good time. Our uh, fish mail order seats, somehow they gave us access to a floor with uh, complimentary frozen yogurt, and they blended, like, strawberries and bananas right into the frozen yogurt, which was awesome. But the show itself simply was not very good, even though I got, I think, what's to date my only life boy, and the absurdist comedian Stephen Wright came out during Center of a Mule and played a bell and walked away, played the bell, walked away. (laughs) So... Those were the highlights in 1230-96. One year later, however, uh, probably my favorite fish show of all time, December 30th, 1997. Uh, you get the first Sally since 528-1989, 920 shows. Amazing segue into taste. A really excellent day in the life to close set one. Set two opens with a just amazing 25-minute ACDC bag that has this funk percussive jam in the middle where they're just building and building and building and at one point Fishman just hits a snare he just goes pop and they all connect in this way and like the jam just reaches this other level it's unbelievable stuff goes into McGrupp uh, I would argue argue that this is the best Harpua ever Trey tells a story about how he and Tom met Tom comes on stage for 500 miles and it's a cover that just makes me laugh with joy every single time I hear it because you just hear their friendship like peaking in the middle of Madison Square Garden the night before New Year's Eve it's just such an amazing moment I uh I like this harpua it's uh got utter balls olive loaf steak 
an egg that Trey put on the pentagram, thinking this was an elaborate inside fish joke to which the fan base wasn't privy, but that's okay. And <laughs> were it not for this, then the New Year's Eve gag that year would make no sense whatsoever. So ooh, it was cool. I dug right. it. <laughs> Uh, you get a Isabella into a 24-minute Harry Hood. Set two goes past curfew, so Trey decides to announce that they're playing two New Year's Eve shows. Uh, you get a Gaiuti set two closer. And then the encore. I mean, it just never stops. You get your Carini, the first ever on American soil, goes into a funk jam, segues into the last ever Black Eyed Katie, which segues then into a Sally reprise, and then you get a 10-minute Frankenstein to close it out with a crazy, weird space jam. It's unbelievable. And yeah, this show keeps on going and going and going. It was a favorite of mine on long car rides. I remember driving um, from Connecticut to meet a friend at Ithaca College and I think playing this show through at least twice. I know I think I was skiing with my family in Canada and it was going on, and I kind of wish I'd been there instead. But so be it. I didn't even know about fish this time. I oh. would have loved to. Well, you would have been. Were you even a teenager at this time? Yeah. What? Are you, yeah, I was. Like I was uh, about to be about to be thirteen. Okay. All right. So I was. It was a couple years before my time, but this was my brother-in-law's first of like 150 shows. Oh, nice. Yeah, he had no idea what he was walking into, and I give him shit for it every time we talk. <laughs> so 1998. You've got uh, 1230 that follows a near-perfect 1229 show. They play this dark, loose, jammy show before one of the best New Year's Eves ever. Uh, Chalk Dust Torture, Big Black Furry Creature from Mars, Wilson open in such a high-energy way. Very wild. Reba closes out set one. Very intense down with disease. Beautiful Caspian. Crazy and long squirming coil. Kind of the first true jam off of it since... May 8th, 1993. Yeah, it's kind of... May 8th, 93 was a full jam. This is more of kind of like a plaintive sigh brought on yeah. by Trey's guitar. Very good. You hardly... I don't think you see Trey playing coil jams ever, but, it, you know, it was pleasant. It was very, very pleasant jam. It was very nice. It was very lovely. And then you get uh, the first ever grind with Tom Marshall on vocals, which... Kind of came out of nowhere. What a what a weird introduction for this song. You get it at this show, and then it randomly shows up on Undermine, the CD, and then it's played on 3-6-2009. Just a very bizarre, and then it's like slightly in the rotation now in 3.0. It's very weird. So in 1999, of course, December 30th, 99 being Big Cypress. This is the night before the BG, actually the LG, the long gig, the show. Which of course is put into awesome detail in Osiris podcast after midnight, which you should all listen to if you're enjoying this one. Anyhow, this show had the first light up and leave me alone since March 1st, 1989. 1,092 shows. It's quite a bust out. Very good ghost. Excellent tweezer into taste. Kind of the tweezer that it's not what you want, but it gets what you need, I would say. And that at the end it gets very quiet. Very pretty, very plaintive, and then it, um, it just like segues to taste. But the big sucker at this show is the Mike song, the heavy, heavy shoegaze, walls are closing in on you, red lights, Mike song. And something about Florida 
kind of makes for frightening jams. And it's not for nothing that 10 years and two months prior to this in Miami, Florida, the Grateful Dead, I want to say October 26, 1989, they played a Dark Star that quite literally scared the bejesus out of people there. I mean, I'm told people on the floor were freaking out. And <laughs> this is kind of similar. I hope you're on the proper drugs during this mic song because, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, that is a hell of a jam. Uh, four years later, the next New Year's Eve run, or I guess normal New Year's Eve run, because 02 to 03, they started on New Year's Eve and went into January. December 30th, 2003 from Miami, Parliament Madness. Set ones got some bust outs, some rarities, sand, shafty, way cities, all were very rare at the time. Very grooving bathtub gin into 2001 to close out set one. Really dirty, rollicking tube into LA Woman. Kicks off set two, followed by a 19 minute P Funk jam that uh, is more just absurd than anything. Uh, and you get a very unique Down With Disease jam to close out the set. It's, uh, it's an interesting show. Some of it works. Some of it does not work. It kind of showed how playful and weird the band could be in 2.0 in both the best and worst ways possible. It's a little bit of a sloppy show. Some of it's a little yeah. too sloppy for me to enjoy. Yes. But overall, it just the absurdity factor kind of works just to hear Trey seemingly out of nowhere go Mr. Mojo Rising I mean that's the kind of thing you do if you're like 18 years old like just <laughs> you're playing a frat house and you're wasted you're like fuck let's sing some Jim Horrison <laughs> um, so six years later our next New Year's Eve run Another Miami run. I'm just realizing here we have three straight Florida uh, New Year's Eve runs, obviously uh, separated by uh, 10 years. But for a time, it felt like the New Year's Eve spot for Fish. Uh, 12.30.09, kind of bust out heavy show again. First Karina since February 24th, 2003, 100 shows. Uh, first Tila since November 24th, 1998, 236 shows. Plus you get the debuts of Dixie Cannonball and Gone, neither of which would stay in the set, uh, in the uh, rotation much longer. Um, show is best known for 10 years later. The huge get back on the train midway in set two. It's 17 minutes, totally unprecedented jam. Um, kind of thinking, equating it to like the MoMA dance from SPAC 2016 or like few of the fee jams from the 90s it just nobody was expecting it came out of nowhere and just jammed hard let's see 2010 December 30th 2010 the first official webcast actually there was a very big tweezer opening set two, dark and hazy very cool plinko that goes into light this was the only time that um, Fisher played fat man in the bathtub aside from Halloween and it had a pretty cool antelope tweet prize encore. Otherwise, not a particularly dynamic 1230. Kind of slim pickings. <clears throat> yeah, this was, uh, like you said, the first webcast show. This kind of started the trend that the band would not bring it, if you will, during a webcast performance. Something that uh, was 
kind of an issue with fish until maybe summer 2012. And then I was also at uh, 1230 of 2011. Very cool piper, like had you staring off into space. That's the only good thing about this show. <laughs> this was uh, <laughs> the only fish show I saw this year, which is partially due to um, some weddings in the summer that kind of every time I thought it would have been feasible for me to go, I had a wedding to go to. But I also didn't feel like fish was doing much particularly exciting in 2011, which was kind of borne out from this show, which I might say was in the top bottom 10 of the 80-some obscene. Yeah, of note, this New Year's run uh, occurred during the peak of my time cooking in Portland, so I had to work every single night of the run leading up to New Year's. Um, I played catch-up with these shows every morning. This is also my brother's first ever New Year's Eve run, and I was so jealous going into it. Um, And then aside from the 28th, I felt really underwhelmed every time I caught the set list. The 30th was by far the worst show of the run, and a very low point in 3.0. Following this run, it was heavily rumored within the fish community that 3.0 would run its course, and it wasn't until, we're bringing them up again, the Worcester shows of June 2012 that saved the day. June 7, 2012. (laughs) Uh, One year later, though, uh, December 30th, 2012, very solid show all around. I think it was a lot better in the moment. uh, It's kind of like a lot of... The best parts of 09 through 2012 seem a little bit less great now in hindsight, but I still really enjoy this show. I had a great time at it. You've got a really wild and expansive Down with Disease to open set two. Karini goes Floydian Dark, and we covered this in episode four. It's that E minor death march Karini. It's unbelievable stuff. Yes. It was a late set slave in Hood. Yes. Totally. Very good. And this was my very first New Year's Eve run that I that I saw live. Huge improvement on 2011. Really all of uh, 3.0 New Year's Eve runs prior could not live up to this one. I saw all four shows. December 30th was the best for many reasons. Uh, it was so special just to see them deliver a 1230 show on December 30th. Let's see. Going forward, December 30th of 2013. Somewhat better on paper than in reality of uh, this run, actually, because 2013 was a phenomenal year for fish. Absolutely torrid, torrid fall tour. I mean, you can argue, some people would argue that fall 2013 is as good as it's gotten in uh, Fish 3.0. But that being said, it wasn't um, the most spectacular of the holiday runs. Probably December 29th is probably the best show of the run. Totally. On uh, December 30th, only the Choctaw's torture really goes off. There's a cool ghost inside of the mic's groove, which was neat. There's uh, some really good page, grand piano work in this ghost. But um, Fish, do me a favor and don't put a devotion to a dream inside my mic's groove. Cool? (laughs) Uh, So 2014 was an inverted New Year's. Started on December 31st. Went to... uh, uh, January 3rd. So jump into 2015. 1230 played uh, the, it was kind of an interesting show in the sense that it was the opener, uh, right? first night of the 2015 New Year's Eve run. You get a really outstanding Chalk Dust Torture opening a set two that's better in the ears than it is on paper. Unreal Shoegaze Gin. Probably the closest that they've come to playing pure 
Krautrock jam with a 4-4 motoric beat, huh? Yeah, like Wilco Spiders. Yes, 100%. Uh, Can't Always Listen has one of the weirdest debuts of all time. And What's the Use comes to a near silence in the middle of Weekapod Groove and uh, really picks up on the phenomenal performance from uh, uh, Magnaball earlier that year. So now we are getting to the final three, each of which is the goods. Yes. So 2016, my number two show I've seen ever. Very solid set one. Uh, high energy. Really enjoyed set one. Set two, though. This is a holy set two. Tweezer, into Sparks, into Ghost, into The Wheel, into Light, into Party Time. It's unbelievable. Pretty close to perfection. Yeah. I mean, of course, by The Wheel, not like The Wheel vocals, but The Ghost into Light definitely featured a very bright, minimalist, like, C major jam that kind of... Wheelie jam. Sounded like a great wheel from, like, 76. Yes. And, uh, yeah, me and Brian found each other in the bathroom at this show. Yeah. I think he was at the urinal, I tapped him on the shoulder, something like that. <laughs> yeah, I think we ended up having a beer. Uh, it was, like, our third time hanging out. We met at the Wrigley Field shows, I want to say, and then you took me to a fantastic beer bar on the oh, Lower yeah. East Side. Blind Tiger was, in the West uh, Village, yes. Yes, we watched a Cubs-Mets game, and uh, then, yeah, we met at, we ran into each other at 1230, and what was it, like two months later that we started the podcast? It's kind of crazy. Just, yeah, that's right, we started, first Early episode was in April, we started planning it in like February, right? Yeah, crazy stuff, cool. crazy stuff. Uh, 2017, what do we got here? Quite a show. Yeah. 2017 was uh, a 1230 as 1230 gets. Yes. When the show opens up with mics into hydrogen into Weekapog, then goes into tweezer. I think the <laughs> first ever Mike's hydrogen pog tweezer. I was behind the stage for this show, pretty close to it. And we like saw after the Weekapog, I think Trey went over to Fish and just like started like chuckling to himself and started up tweezer. So you had the first brother since June 17th of 2012 and 216 shows. Very slow, very funky. I'm not convinced they actually knew how to play it, but good for them. <laughs> Big 28-minute down with disease for set two, and then a steam into ambient jam into a very good light. I remember after this show, um, Steve Silverman was inspired to tweet after this show, Fish got out there last night in reference to the space portions, which there are many of this show. And if uh, Steve Silverman's probably been to about 300 dead shows, so if he's saying that Fish got out there, you know they did. You know they got out there. Uh, and then finally, 2018. I argued on Under the Scales that this is the best show of 3.0. I don't think that it's an incorrect statement. You get the first Glide 2 since May 16th, 1995, 872 shows. The first ever Bliss. Uh, neither one of those songs anyone ever expected to hear. Uh, Week Upon goes into Cross-Eyed, very similar to the Ghost into Cross-Eyed from Dick's Night 1, 2018. Uh, 
excellent No Man in No Man's Land, followed by a tube into Weak Pog into Tube. And then set two is just a total masterpiece. Uh, all caps right now. Mm. Everything's right, light, and split open and melt. Unbelievable. And the other two songs was Plasma and Velvet Sea in there. And it opened with Cool Amber and Mercury, which is, right. is a really fitting opener. Like, you would think looking at it from a time signature standpoint, the first couple of tracks of the, uh, of the set are a little bit uh, shorter. Maybe the flow is not there. But I think that the second that they hit the it just, like, starts to flow perfectly. It's a very mellow kind of underwatery set, very shoegazy. Uh, the band was just on. That just it felt like they played an album that set. I absolutely love it. Yeah, like I know that Cool Amber and Mercury opens that set, and yet for some reason in my head, I want to say everything's right open the set, just okay. because that's the best version of the song they played to date. That was like, like you said, underwater shoegazy walls of melodic, like coral reef fish. But yeah, that was the second song in the set. And then of course the cute four song encore but there's like a rocky top a cavern and I think a funky bitch is in there I mean it's just you right. you know the band's feeling it when they come out and they just play another song and then another song and another song um yeah this everything's right is interesting because uh you know what a second half of 2019 or 2018 that song had you get that really fantastic Austin version Camden had a great version uh Albany had a fantastic version Nashville, uh, Vegas definitely did, and then you've got MSG, and it just it felt like the song was growing and growing and growing to this version, and then the light is just jams upon jams. It's it's really incredible stuff. It is. I mean, I just always say that the tweezer the night before, I like it so so very much that almost puts that show over this one in my estimation. But really, yeah, I, mean, both of I don't think you are, can go wrong. No. It's the best thing. It's uh, a hell of a New Year's Eve run, um, and I hope going into 2019, 2020 here, we get a fantastic run. But that is our run through 1230s through the years. Uh, We absolutely love the date 1230. We hope that this gave you some highlights to check out. And uh, before we jump into our second segment of uh, music and uh, discussion here in this episode, let's play a little bit of the Mike song from December 30th. 1993.
All right. Hope that you guys enjoyed that formative mics jam. I'm guessing most of you have heard that at the very least a dozen times. It's just one of those jams you kind of have to get into uh, when you're first getting into fish. But for any of you, if that might have been the first time you've heard it, welcome to the party. I hope that you enjoyed that as much as we have. Just like I said, a formative, formative jam in fish history. And um, for fish fans, just kind of one of those jams you have to hear and absorb uh, over and over again as you're getting into this band. So we're going to transition here um, before we jump into the Christmas segment of the uh, episode. We're going to talk about some late bloomers. Now, I think we've said this in pretty much every episode since the start of the fall, but I'll just reiterate it. 2019 has been an incredible year for music, as you guys heard in our recent top albums of 2019 episode there's just been so much music to absorb so much music to discover so many people to discuss music with um we've really been fortunate and really blessed as listeners and as podcasters to just have an unending stream of music to get excited about this year and what that ultimately means is that there's a lot of music that you miss and you discover potentially later so that's what these uh, that's what these records represent. And for this segment, I'm going to discuss Sarah Louise's "Nighttime Birds and Morning Stars." This is a mind-bending Appalachian psychedelic guitar reinvention record. It's the second album for the Thrill Jackie artist. I heard a track or two of this back in the winter. I meant to buy it, and then somehow I forgot it. I have no explanation, no good one at that, at least. It's just that, like I said, there's so much music this year that I forgot it. And uh, I would just ask that if you want me to pay attention to all the good music out there, please, someone just pay me to do this for a living. I promise that that will never happen again, ever. Me too. <laughs> um, this record, just like I listened to it a couple weeks ago and it just blew my brain apart. It is such a bizarre stew of folk and jazz and new age and noise and sonic experimentation, psychedelia. It's all combined in a way that I just feel like I've never heard this music before. Um, now, typically, Sarah Louise experiments on a 12-string acoustic, but here it's this standard tuning electric that she uh, plays on adds a unique sound to her overall playing, and of note, she engineered the album herself. Uh, the record samples her and pushes her sound forward in a drastic and wild way, and the ideas of harmony and dissonance weave in and out. It's a brain unscrambler for sure. That's how I felt the first time I heard this, and I passed it immediately to Dave, as well as one of my close buddies who uh, chat about music a lot with. Shout out to Christian Hammeter. And he listened to it and immediately texted me and said, what the hell is this in the best way possible? <laughs> uh, so um, definitely get your hands on Sarah Louise, Nighttime Birds and Morning Stars. I know you can purchase the vinyl on Bandcamp. It's uh, well worth the 19 bucks. It's a great, great record. So I'm going to talk about a record from a band called Dead Horse One. The West is the best. It's not really a late bloomer, because it came out this morning, actually. 
I love their last album, Season of Mist, from 2018. And this is one of those rare instances where Spotify totally alerted me to the release of something I had zero idea was coming out. And thank you for that, Spotify. Yo, dog, I heard you like shoegaze, French shoegaze. Even though uh, they sing in English, the band is from Paris, and they sound exactly like uh, a 4AD band from 1991. Mostly Ride and the Cocteau Twins, certainly uh, like the second Ride album, Going Blank Again, and that's fine, because shoegaze and dream pop, they don't reward originality so much as execution, the proper mixing of the ways of a guitar over melodic vocals, language tempos, proper wah-wah pedal use. All this stuff matters because there's a lot of crappy shoegaze bands out there. This becomes evident if you take a trip to uh, Bandcamp and type in the word shoegaze or watch what happens when you listen to Rides Going Blank Again on Spotify. Then after the last song, it shifts to Radio Station based on Going Blank Again. It's a lot of not good. <clears throat> but Dead Horse One is not that. They nail the hallmarks of the genre. I mean, it's almost it's almost too much my shit, I guess, this band. But if you've uh, enjoyed the shoegaze dream pop genre, you like your ride, your cocktail twins, My Bloody Valentine's, and Spiritualized, all that stuff that I like talking about so much, you will enjoy this album. All right, so... Second segment here before we jump into Christmas music. Our favorite fish shows of 2019. Now we know that the year is not yet over. And uh brief little behind the scenes BTP. We are actually recording this just prior to fall tour. So there is potentially a show that we have not even mentioned here that has not even happened as a recording that will eclipse both of our shows. Uh, but I w- <laughs> but if that happens, forgive us. We'll, we'll give that as much praise on Twitter as possible. Um, it's, a health, it's a healthy problem to have. It's a good problem to have. We're just trying to keep ourselves organized ahead of fall tour here and the holidays. Um, I will say really quick, the further we get from summer 2019, the more interested I become in it. Uh, we've talked about this a bit, but you know, just the notion that the band tried to introduce basically 30 new songs across the tour. Uh, the fact that they were so focused on new and unique styles of jamming that I think it really added to the overall quality of playing and the overall diversity of jamming within 3.0 are two of the best takeaways of this overall uh, summer tour. I think that there were some challenges within it, uh, some shows that kind of suffered from a song selection standpoint, but I think overall it's a really fascinating summer tour. It's a cool transitional period as kind of how I hear it leading into perhaps another peak in 2020, 2021, who knows? But that all said, I picked a show that I think both of us would agree is the best show of the year to this point in time. Um, but we're going to feature another one as well. But the show in question here right up, right up front is uh, July 9th, 2019 from Mohegan Sun, uh, Connecticut. Really exemplary show from a playing standpoint. It just sounds like 2019 fish to me. Uh, really cool set list that works really well. You've got an energy opener. 
your first since August 4th, 2013, 226 shows. It feels longer, which is uh, like the, the, the distance between now and 2019, I mean, just feels longer than it actually is. Uh, and then you get a segue into an unexpected week of groove. It's unbelievable. Uh, maze in a lengthwise in the maze. As you all know, maze should always have a lengthwise attached to it. Uh, really well-placed Petrichor. I really love that song in mid-set one. Do you, do you like that in that placement? I do. It's almost like Divided Sky. Yeah. I guess the same. You're, you're totally right. Same counter You're effect. totally right. It's... Uh, it's a really pretty song. It works better than Time Terms Elastic did in that slot, and it just feels like, um, I don't know, it's it's a really good uh, statement midway through set one. Uh, you get a very weird, very wild gin to close set one. This felt similar to the September 1st, 2019 version from Dix. And then set two is a near-fluid masterpiece. Starts out with Soul Planet directly into Wider, of which... Nobody expected to play that except for Fishman, who wanted to play it, and Trey went along with him, uh, into Undermind. And then Beneath the Sea of Stars, Part 1. This is probably the jam of the year, huh? Uh, yeah, I would agree entirely. Even, it's unbelievable. Even more so than the Alpine Ruby Waves, which is cr- yeah. clearly no slouch, but this jam points the way forward. Yeah, this to me defines how unique the year was overall. It's overall best parts, it's structurelessness, the jamming that just kind of seems to fade in and out of sounds and ideas, uh, the Wallace Sound-esque, the Sicket-esque type jamming. I mean, it's unlike anything I feel like I've heard from Fish in almost 20 years and uh, works so, so well. And then the uh, set has a ghost into Birds of a Feather out of nowhere, totally unexpected. That slot works really well. And you could forgive the kind of meh fourth quarter waste to uh, Golgi because of how great they played before that. They kind of earned it. Um, and then you get the first foam since July 22nd, 2017, 79 shows, and only the eighth since 2011. So definitely a certified rarity. This is a great show. If you haven't spun it in some time, I recently listened to it. I highly recommend all of you check it out. Um, it just really showcases how well the band was playing at this point in summer tour and uh, really showcases the best parts to me of the overall 2019 uh, playing.
Well, like you said, Brian, uh, July 9th is also my favorite. So for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to pick what's probably my second favorite. Being the third night of the Candom Run, uh, June 30th, 2019, which was a Sunday night. And this is a Sunday show in every sense of the word. Yeah. In set one, <clears throat> there's a sequence that goes Pebbles and Marbles, Tila, Mango Song, Driver, David Bowie. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I have another. <laughs> That's just sample. One, I mean, Pebbles, Tila, Mango by itself is impressive. There's a very good Reba in that set, curtain width opener. So just um, very much. I listened to this. Yeah, I listened to this show today, and uh, it blew me away. That curtain width ends. I tried not to look at the set list while I was listening. But curtain width ends, and fast enough for you starts up, and then buried alive, and then camel walk. And like for the first quarter of the show, like I was back in June of this year, just being like, "Oh my god, what are they playing right now?" Yeah, very Sunday night set, a very classic. Sunday night kind of rarity oddball set for the fans that flows together and works awesomely. And then in the second set, there's the huge, I think, like 17-minute Mr. Completely opener, and that's always a good sign. And then you get the best version of 20 Years Later they've ever played. 21 minutes, goes 100 different places, and kind of ends with this... Right. Loose limbs, fishman... (laughs) Woodblock hit in practically like a go-go beat, almost like a Washington D.C. Chuck Brown swing, which is just totally awesome. The first time I heard, I told my wife, "Fish is playing a go-go beat," and she said, "That's fucking nice." Drive the car. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I remember listening to this on the webcast and being like, "Is this a sound check jam?" Yeah, like it just exactly. is so loose. There's big black furry creature from Mars. Tweezer at 13 minutes, which while not um, not going to go in the Tweezer Pantheon, certainly rocks very hard. Goes into a very well-placed shade. And then the set doesn't let up because you got uh, the, the Vita Blue saw most events aren't planned, the Makasu Police Band, and then there's a Choctaw's Torture that if you listen to it, it was very clearly going to be character zero until Trey had a change of heart and decided to... Uh, Mold the Zero Rift into Choctaw's Torture. Susie Greenberg set closer. An encore of Punch You in the Eye. What's the use in Julius? So, <laughs> top to bottom, phenomenal show. I've, yeah, that's my top three mean that show. Obviously, July 9, 2019, Alpine 3. And the other two I like a lot from that tour would be uh, Charlotte and Blossom. Totally. I would also give a shout out to um uh Meriwether Post Night Two. Really fantastic show, especially set two. Uh I guess set one is a little bit rough, but set two is fantastic. And um Dick's Night Two. Uh greatly enjoyed that show. So What was in Meriwether Night Two? Just refresh my memory. Uh, yeah, so set two, you've got Cross and Painless, Into Everything's Right, Into Ruby Waves, Twist 2001, Blaze On, very solid set two, Encore of Maze, Waste, Sandy, and Wilson. So same sort of mindset as Camden Night 3, and that, that Encore is just like, huh? Um, so some really great stuff here from, uh, Fish in summer 2019 in a tour that I, I would say felt like a transition 
but probably not 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 like 2014 or 2016 did uh, in a very different way just uh they're they're experimenting and moving in a lot of different directions So, final segment of music here. We're going to send you guys off into your holiday vacations with some Christmas music. Uh, We've done some different stuff over the last couple of years. I know in our first year uh, holiday run special number one, we tried to find some underrated holiday songs, and we ended up playing some metal, and there was, I think, a Willie Nelson somewhere in there. Last year was a little bit more countrified. This year we decided let's find the best holiday jams. And by doing so, because we're featuring one of the best fish shows of all time, we decided to feature some very big name artists who played some unexpected holiday traditions, holiday song traditions. So I've got up Bob Dylan's Winter Wonderland Remember, Bob Dylan came out with a Christmas album 10 years ago. It's very strange that it happened, but very hilarious. Uh, Johnny Cash with a gorgeous version of Silent Night and the instrumental God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen from Jerry Garcia and David Grishman. What do you have, Dave? Weird Al Yankovic, The Night Santa Went Crazy, The Carpenters, Merry Christmas, Darling, Dean Martin, Silver Bells. It's all good stuff. Uh, Hopefully it helps you guys kick off the holiday spirit. We are going to uh, take a bit of a break here going into 2020 before we come back with our MSG 2019 New Year's Eve run um, or New Year's Eve run recap. So we're very excited about that. Thank you guys so much for listening and following along, spreading the word here in 2019. David, you got any fun plans over the holiday vacation? Let's see. I am going to some of the fish shows. I think the 28th and 29th, the 30th remains to be seen. But I will be going to the Electric in the Village after party, regardless whether I get to the 1230 fish show. I think I'm also going to see some Yola Tango shows because Hanukkah takes place it's, uh, Hanukkah is late this year. I think the first night is December 22nd. It would have been last night, the night before Hanukkah. So I'm seeing some of those. But really, um, both my eldest daughter and youngest daughter are out of kindergarten and out of day camp. <clears throat> so 
I've got to do some babysitting stuff as well. Got to keep them occupied. Very nice. I'm getting in the car and I'm driving back to Chicago across Kansas and Missouri, which should be thrilling. And uh, I'm going to spend about a week at home with family and friends and, uh, and get back to Denver just in time to live stream couch tour some fish shows. Fantastic. Yeah, I think I'll also be going to see my folks in Connecticut for a little bit, do some kind of uh, Hanukkah slash Jewish Christmas type festivities. All right, so we are going to play you guys off here. We've got six tracks like we listed. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year to all of you in BTP land and beyond. Thank you so much once again for a fantastic 2019. We will see you next decade recapping MSG 2019 fish. But before that, let's listen to some tunes. Down in the workshop, all the elves were making toys For the good Gentile girls and the good Gentile boys When the boss busted in, nearly scared him half to death Had a rifle in his hands and cheap whiskey on his breath From his beard to his boots, he was covered with ammo Like a big fat drunk, disgruntled, yuletide Rambo And he smiled as he said, with a twinkle in his eye Merry Christmas to all, now you're all gonna die The night Santa went crazy The night Saint Nick went insane Realized he'd been getting the wrong deal Something finally must have snapped in his brain Well the workshop is gone now He decided to bomb it Everywhere you'll find pieces of Cupid and Comet And he tied up his helpers And he held the elves hostage And he ground up poor Rudolph into reindeer sausage He got Dancer and Prancer with an old German Luger And he slashed up Dasher just like Freddy Krueger And he picked up a flamethrower and a barbecue blitzer And he took a big bite and said it tastes just like chicken Some guy from the SWAT team blew a hole through his head. Yes, little friend, now that's his brains on the floor. I guess they won't have the fat guy to kick around anymore. But now there's no more presents for children's enjoyment. And the elves gotta stand in line to file for unemployment. And they say Mrs. Claus, she's on the phone every night with a lawyer negotiating the Back.
Silver bell. 
Christmas rushes through, but I still have one wish to make, a special one for you. Merry Christmas, darling, we're apart, that's true, but I with you Holidays are joyful There's always something new But every day is a holiday When I'm near to you The lights on my tree I wish you could see I wish it every day Lords on the fire Fill me with desire To see you and to say That I wish you Merry Christmas Christmas Happy New Thank you. 
Y'all have a Merry Christmas. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon Mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child.
Osiris. 